Good morning. I greet you in Jesus' name this morning. <coughs> Sunday school lesson was dancing all around the topic that I have for this morning. If you've been following along, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. So, meditation this morning is found in Matthew 5, verse 8. It's the foundation. It's the core of our Christianity. If we were to build a building like the one that was drawn on the board behind, we need to go down to bedrock. We need something that's going to stand and hold. As I observe you this morning, there is something about you that I know that you are alive. <coughs> you would agree with me, wouldn't you? How many of you gave a thought this morning when you got up about your heart? Nobody. I didn't either. A little organ in your body about the size of your fist and it's there and it's constantly working. It doesn't ask for weekends off. It doesn't ask for a break. It does slow down though when you sleep at night and maybe when you sleep in church. But it works. It will work. An adult heart beats 100,000 times a day. These are just some little statistics that I found interesting. So do the math. At 60 to 100 times a minute, that's according to the American Heart Association. Uh, 60 beats, that's going to be 86,000 times a day. At 144,000, if your heart rate if your heart rate was high, would be 100. No. If your heartbeat was a hundred, you'd have a hundred forty-four thousand times a day. Your heart is a giant pump. Every minute, your heart pumps five quarts of blood through a system of blood vessels that is over sixty thousand miles long, and that's according to the Cleveland Clinic. So that would translate into 2,000 gallons of blood every day. Your heart will pump nearly 1.5 million barrels of blood during your lifetime. And that is enough to fill 200 rail cars. That's more than one train. A unit train is 103 cars. At rest, it only takes 16 seconds for your blood to travel from your heart to your toes. And also, laughter may be the best medicine. A good laugh can send 20% more blood through your body and it will relax your blood vessel walls. So the heart is important. I think we all agree with that. We're going to do a little bit of hard work this morning in the Christian life. 
This message is going to be simple, it's going to be plain, and hopefully it's easy to understand. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We've been looking at these, and these are we've been Sunday school lesson, we've been looking at the kingdom of God, and I would classify these as kingdom things that build the kingdom of God. Things that are tangible for us that if we do these it will help build the kingdom of God. I found it also interesting on a side note that Friday at the inauguration uh, prior to the swearing in of our new president that Matthew 5 was read. I'll leave that there. This is the core of the beatitude. This is where it matters. The heart. The pure in heart. Jesus cares about our heart. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. And He wants it to be a pure heart. And then, do you want to see God? So the next question begs to be asked, what is a pure heart? How do we know if we have a pure heart? If I were to mention to you this morning, pure maple syrup, what comes to your mind? It's a syrup that is sweet, it's good, it's good in recipes, and of course on pancakes. But it's not the same pancake syrup that you buy in the grocery store. I remember when that was brought to my attention. I could have argued with that. I thought it was maple syrup. Why? Why is it not the genuine thing? Did you ever look at the ingredient label on a pancake syrup bottle? Do. Find it interesting. First ingredient is water. The next one is high fructose corn syrup. And then some natural and artificial flavors and a few other things. But there is no maple syrup in that ingredient label. Now, there may be variations, but that was the one that I pulled out of our cabinet. So, it is sugar water. Do we sometimes settle for less than genuine things? Are we happy with the 10%? Are we happy with 50%? Are we happy with 99% pure heart? No. Pure heart needs to be 100%. The heart is what you are. 1 Samuel 16.7 We have the account where Samuel was to pick a king for Israel. And we know the story. 1 Samuel 16.7 This is how it goes. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on the countenance of the height of his statue because I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh at the heart here we have an understanding of how God looks and works with people does God 
look at the heart not merely on what it is, but could it also be the potential that is in that heart? I believe that is very likely. So how do we attain or how do we get a pure heart? Turn with me to Matthew 15, verse 18. Matthew 15, verse 18 and 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, theft, false witnesses, blasphemes. What is in the heart is going to come out of the heart. You can think that you're going to do a pretty good job of hiding it, of keeping it there. And even if you do do a good job of doing that, God still sees it. Turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through verse 37. Matthew chapter 12, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye bring evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy word, words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So, from these verses we can say that it is very critical what is in our heart. There will be fruit. There will be fruit that will come out of your life. It's either going to be good fruit or bad fruit. Jesus did not come into this world to just give us to help us get over our bad attitudes and our bad habits. Yes, that may be part of it, but it goes much deeper. He came into the world because of my dirty heart needed purified. Step one is ultimately giving your heart to the Lord. And Alice used the illustration of change of ownership. It's giving up, letting go. It's not mine anymore, but it's God's. Very, very simple. So therefore, it is pure and needs to stay pure. Sometimes I'll hear conversations around cleaning and sometimes there's a word or an adjective that describes the cleaning as called deep cleaning. And it happens certain times of the year, generally. But what is deep cleaning? Is getting down on your hands and knees, scrubbing places that normally don't get scrubbed, or getting up on a step ladder and hitting some areas that you can't reach, but you do some cleaning. Sometimes we need to do some deep cleaning in our heart. That's why we gather together. 
challenge each other. Let the word shine into our life. Once in a while, or once a year, we usually have uh, a special meetings, revival meetings. This all helps in the clean process of our heart. There are some things that are magnets to dirt that can be a stumbling block or a hindrance. Self-centeredness, resentment, anger, criticism, fear, bitterness. Those are just some to name a few. But these are magnets and they will attract dirt. And they will continue to attract dirt until you get rid of it. They will leave a dark spot in your heart. So get rid of it. Not only that, but they are like cancer. They will spread throughout your body and will affect you and how you act. So we can deduct from that that by having a pure heart means living by God's rule. So having a pure heart will mean living by the rule of God that brings moral purity. There's two camps. There's the clean and the unclean. And we have the example in the Old Testament. The law that was given to the children of Israel in regards to the clean and the unclean. And we remember that, how the children were instructed to eat only the food that was split hoof and chewed cud and abstained from the food that wasn't that way. There was also other uh, laws given in regards to sickness, leprosy, um, things that God had instructed them to keep clean. And then they had that process of what they had to do to get clean. And it wasn't just a one-time done deal. It was a long, out, long drawn-out process. Why was that? Was a lesson to be learned that God is holy? And if that is the case, if we need to see that God is holy, then we need to strive to live holy and please Him. Leviticus 11. Forty-four. Leviticus 11, verse 44 and 45. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourself, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. question I have is it easier to follow rules and forget the matter of the heart so if I had a muddy hand here this morning caked in mud would you want to shake my hand probably not my shirt here this morning was dirty would it be more of a distraction to you than what I was saying Don't take me wrong. Having a clean hand and a good appearance 
is good, but it doesn't stop there. If it did, we'd miss it. That is why Jesus sometimes seemed to come unglued and use some strong words for the Pharisees. Let's flip back to Matthew chapter 23. Verse 25 through 28. Matthew 23, 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanliness. Matthew 15, verse 8. This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. God wants a heart that is genuine and that matches it, and a life that matches it. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So pure heart means living by the rule of God and living a life pleasing to God. There is a certain physical or natural laws that man cannot break without having some consequence. For example, well, God can break them. But for example, if I had a fire up here this morning burning, and I'd stick my hand in it, I would burn my hand. That is a law of thermodynamics that I cannot break. The law of gravity has consequences. If I was to climb our 80-foot silo and jump off, more than likely, I would probably seriously hurt myself because the law of gravity. But God can override them. And we sometimes call that a miracle. The definition of a miracle is a surprise and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agent. The reason I bring this illustration in is let's go to the next step. There's the moral law. Man can break these laws. Man can lie. Man can cheat. Man can commit adultery. Man can steal. But you know what? God cannot break these laws. Nor can he ignore them when they are broken. So why are we so extremely careful to observe the natural laws 
of the immediate consequence, but do, why do we ignore the moral laws that have a more serious consequence? Having a pure heart means keeping God's moral laws. How can we afford to have compromise on God's moral law? James 4, verse 4. We're jumping around a bunch here this morning. James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Then jump down to verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The first and greatest commandment also talks about a pure heart. Matthew 22. Verse 37 and 38. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. <coughs> Speaking of a pure heart. So if we love the Lord with all our heart, that will be a step into having a pure heart. Now I'd like to give some maintenance tips for maintaining a pure pure heart. Turn with me to Psalms 119, a very familiar portion of Scripture, Psalms 119. Verse 9. And I'll read to verse 24. 119 verse 9. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in thy riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandment from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgment at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from the commandment. Remove from me remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. God's word will be that light that shines into our heart and illuminates those corners that need cleaned. I have with me here this morning a flashlight. I often 
carry a flashlight with me now. I don't know if it's a sign of my age, but I use it very regularly. Why do I use it? Usually because there's some darkness and it's hard to see. Maybe my eyesight's failing me. But this flashlight has power and it shines. As soon as I turn it on, that darkness has to flee. And I can see. So let God's light, let God's word shine into your heart. You may not like what you see sometimes, but it will expose. It will help you to see. And that's when things can start working. You can start making progress. Let the light shine in. Another maintenance point is fellowship with God's people. Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 and 10 Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall the one will lift up his fellow but woe unto him that is alone when he falleth for he hath yet for he hath not another to help him up There is encouragement for people that you associate with, that you fellowship with, that you would call brothers and sisters in the Lord. They will help you. They will lift you up. They will encourage you. That is a maintenance. Or that will help maintain our pure heart. And now, for the blessing of seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We all want to see God. First John three two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Turning to Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 and 4. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb and shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, 
and his name shall be in their foreheads. Are you looking forward to seeing God? This verse, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, goes far beyond any college degree, any good job, or any secured retirement that you can ever get. There is a story that was told by a professor that had his class, and he was inquiring in his students what their goals were. And their response was, well, we want to go to college and we want to get a degree. And then the teacher asked, he said, well, after that, what's your goal? Well, obviously the degree is to help us get a good job. And then the teacher inquired some more and said, well, what about after that? I mean, so you have a degree, you have a good job, what about after that? Well, their reply was, so that we can have enough money to put in a 401k and have a secure retirement. Then the teacher asked, what about after that? There was, no, there was no response. It was silent. This verse, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a retirement package I can offer you this morning that will have far better outlasting effects than what we can have, ever have here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God.